All right. Hey, hey, we're live. Welcome to Security Podcast. Episode eight today is January 28, 2021. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things business related to cybersecurity. So it's a business podcast where we focus on cybersecurity to help bring awareness to not only business owners and CEOs, but employees that work in companies who Andre and I believe can drive the cyber cybersecurity conversation inside of your company. So if you hear us talk about things, if you hear us say things on this podcast um, and you're not doing those things in, in your company or you hear us talking about things and you don't know what they are, then you find out it's something that maybe your company should be doing like cybersecurity awareness training or things like that. These are good opportunities for you, even as an employee to go to your company and recommend that these things be put in place and point them to our podcast and show them like, Hey, these security experts were talking about the things that we need to do in, in a company or every company needs to do. And we're not doing cyber awareness training. Um, so these are things that as a regular, uh, employee of a company, maybe you don't own a business, you can still get a lot of value out of this podcast. And while I'm on the subject of value, if we provide value to you in any way, shape or form, please share our, share out our podcast on your social media. It takes literally two seconds, three clicks help us promote this podcast. Um, we do have a Facebook page and a YouTube channel set up for this podcast, but we also publish this in audio format on every major podcast platform out there. Um, it usually takes about a day for it to get up, um, but if you want to hear the audio version of this, you can head over to Apple, Google, Spotify, and, and subscribe to our podcast, and every time that that uh, audio file hits, you're going to get a nice little alert letting you know that you can listen to this in your car while you're traveling, while you're exercising. Uh, so help us promote this. We are picking up some steam. Andre and I were going over the numbers this morning. We're very encouraged by what we see, and uh, just keep us help help us keep growing the channel. So we thank you, Andre. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, no, you said it all. You're good. <laughs> Thank you. I said it all. All right. So um, as we always do, uh, Andre and I like to start off the show with a little bit of a check-in on anything exciting that happened in our business this past week. Andre told me before we got we went live that he took off a couple of days. What'd you, what'd you take off for? Moving. Moving from one home to another. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's that's always fun. That's the most stressful. Now, did you buy the home or what's your situation? Yeah, we got a, a new home in a, um, probably like five minutes away. Yeah, moving is always stressful. Yeah. From everything that goes involved with the transaction to actually physically having your stuff picked up and moved from point A to point B and mm -hmm. making sure it gets there in one piece and all that fun stuff. So. So yeah. uh, you mentioned a, a couple of things to me uh, in the green room that were interesting um, in terms of what you experienced when you took a couple of days off. Why don't 
why don't you share that with our listeners? Um, Cause I think a lot of business owners struggle with kind of getting away and getting mm-hmm. not so much getting away physically, but getting away mentally. So what, what, what was your experience like? Yeah. So we had great removers. So the physical move was, was great. We, somebody came, they, they moved everything in the truck, put it from point A to point B. But one of the things that was like exhausting is the packing and, and then unpacking. So I spent all day, um, Saturday was the move. And then Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, unpacking, putting things together, working with, you know, different maintenance people to make sure, you know, everything is in place and things like that. So here I am coming to work on um, on Tuesday and I am exhausted, exhausted. But I, I'm feeling like, oh, my gosh, I've missed like three days of work. I'm sure my, my mailbox is going to be full and people are going to have so much questions and things like that. So I so I come in on on Tuesday exhausted. I open up my email box and and I have my auto reply that basically you know for billing questions for for project questions for sales questions go different you know go to my team and I after I, I cleaned up my inbox I was like wow like I didn't need to come back you know like 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 why am I here like I have a team that was that was taking care of everything there was no fires nobody you know a nasty email saying my customer my my decline of of service happened you know happened while I was out you know no bad reviews like I was like really anxious to come back thinking that the company needed me and I realized that I've actually built a pretty strong team where the ball is rolling they're taking care of stuff that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of business owners struggle with that, and it's important for them to hear other people's experiences around that. Um, especially if you started a business from the ground up where you were employee zero um, and built it from the ground up. I see that with a lot of businesses that we work with. Um, you know, the business owner just struggles with letting go and 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 making his team uh empowering his team to to do the things and deliver products and services in the same manner that they would um Mm -hmm. so it's a testament to your culture um you know i know your business and i know what you're you're doing in your business very well um and i i see that only getting stronger for you guys because um you know, I don't think things are as defined as as maybe some other companies have them. And that's only a positive for you guys, because once that's in place, what you've already what you already have in place without that structure is now going to be stronger once you put that structure in place. So, um, you know, but it all starts with culture, right? It all you can't you can't walk away from the business if you don't have a good culture that reflects uh, you know, basically, I call it the personality of the business owner, and and that's what culture should reflect is the po- personality of the the business owner. Um, I always like to look at Disney as a as an example. Um, obviously, they have a huge, well known reputation for how they treat their uh, guests at the park. Um, but I've been a guest at the park. I've experienced walking through the gates and feeling welcome, even though um, one, I don't know how many people go to Disney World in a day, a million? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
but they have an innate ability to make each individual person that walks through their gate feel special. Um, and I think that that's a goal for all business owners to try to recreate in their company, you know, whatever their definition of special is, um, you know, they need to build that inside their company and it's important. And Disney, I think, did an excellent job of it in a very difficult environment. You know, they are in the entertainment business, um, you know, and people, when they spend that kind of money, they expect big things in return. And I think, you know, for the majority of the people that visit Disney World, they they knock that out of the park almost on a daily basis. So, um, so that's really it. So this week for us, um, we had another we had another third party assessment done on our company. Um, oh. I guess you know, for me, you can never have enough. Um, but it 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 opened. It, this one was actually done under. Uh, we were we were working with a uh, a company that is uh, basically doing something new um, and and different in in our industry, and we wanted to work with them just to see kind of how things were. And they did open our eyes to some things. Um, and why I wanted to talk about this and why I think it's important is because um, you know we know a lot of businesses out there that are not in our industry that are you know in other industries who've never had any kind of penetration test or, or IT assessment, cybersecurity assessment done on their business. And, you know, this is our third one that we've done here. And we do this as part of our business where we are a cybersecurity company. Um, so we are constantly letting other companies come in and evaluate our stuff because, you, you can never, you, it's always good to get that other perspective. You know, I believe, you know, every human being and every business owner has blind spots and how you uncover these blind spots and how you become a better leader and a better company is you have these other third parties come in that have really no interest in, you know, helping you or hiding things from you. Um, you know, they're coming in to just evaluate and give you the facts. Um, and I think that that's important. I think that if you're a business owner listening to this and you have never had somebody come in and do a full evaluation on your business and from a from an IT perspective, from your network, um, because it's important to evaluate both, both your your business practices, your policies and your procedures, and then also do the evaluation on the actual hardware and software that you're running within your network. Um, if you've never had that done and nobody's ever sat down with you and gone over kind of what you have and where you are and what it means and is it a risk or are you okay? Is we're in, a, we're in a time where it's important that you do that. Um, if you have cyber insurance, you probably signed something that says you do do something like this. Um, so I just wanted to bring it up because um, we've had three in the past uh, 14, 16 months. Um, and we also do them on ourselves constantly. So it's not like I'm bringing in these companies and we're not doing this on our own. We're doing it on our own. I'm just bringing in a third party to try to figure out if we're missing something or if there's something that we should be 
you know, pay more attention to or something like that. Um, so these are valuable in the sense that a business owner is going to get the insight he needs to understand where his risk is. And then you need to make the decision as a business owner. Do you live with that risk or do you, you know, invest money into, you know, getting rid of or at least reducing that risk? So I wanted to just talk about that and touch on that because we did go through that uh, assessment. And, as you know, every assessment I go through, they get less and less stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, it's important. And I want every business owner to know that there are people you can reach out to that can do these types of things for you very easily, almost effortlessly, um, you know, and you'll have to invest some time sitting down with them and just being educated on what's going on in your business um, and what's going on with your technology and where your risks are. Um, And once you know what your risks are, then you can start closing those gaps. So that's what we did this week. And I just wanted to talk about that and bring that up. And uh, let's talk about some stuff that's happening in the world. I'm going to pop up my screen here. Um, And the first one we are going to bring up is uh, the article that you shared with me earlier on one of our favorite topics, which is when these breaches happen, it's some time down the road before it comes and bites you in the ass. And this is another perfect example of that. Um, what happened here with this uh, this children's hospital um, and what's going on? Fill us in. Yeah, sure. So um, last year we had um, talked about uh, BlackBot, which is um, basically they're a cloud software company for nonprofits, foundations, corporations, healthcare religious organizations, and they do everything um, for them as it relates to marketing, CRM, fundraising, and they bring it all in and give all the analytics. So um, they actually suffered a, um, a breach last year, actually one of the, one of the largest um, breaches outside of the whole solar winds thing, but on the private sector. So um, what's interesting now is that um, now eight months later, they're facing over 20 lawsuits after the incident from different organizations, um, customers directly, and so forth, because you had a, about 10 million patients, over 100 different entities um, from different organizations, all different organizations. So, of course, they got their patient's name, address, date of birth, um, patient's physicians, the hospitals, all of those um, personal identifiable information um, regarding the patients. So um, specifically, and so forth. Um, specifically, we have uh, Rady uh, Children Hospital, which is based in California, and now they're um, they're essentially being sued. So their patients are now suing Rady's Children Hospital in because they violated um, the state's Consumer Privacy uh, Protection Act, which of course California has one of the most strongest ones out of, out of all fifty states. So, um, and it's kind of the same thing, Brian, that we always talk about. At the beginning, they always say, oh, just a small portion of our clients were affected. And then as they start doing the investigations, then they realize, holy crap, this is serious. Like all of like, you know, a big majority of our clients' information is is affected. And what's even more interesting is that um, I'm going to read the quote from the article. It says, the vendor, which is BlackBot, paid the ransom demand with confirmation from the hackers that the copy that they had uh, be destroyed. 
So basically, Blackbot paid the ransom and says, hey, I promise uh, that we're going to go ahead and destroy the information when we're done. And of course, when they're talking, they probably cross their fingers and hit it behind their back like a little kid. And now, um, and now the lawsuit says that from the attorneys that are suing Rady, that says Rady cannot reasonably maintain that the hackers destroyed the private information and Rady had a duty to reasonably protect the confidential confidential information of the patient. So it's now it's going to be like a dammy, uh, a, a double whammy because you had the black bot doing, I don't want to say doing the right thing, but in their mind doing the right thing and saying, okay, look, here's the money, get rid of the information. So that now they paid out a boatload of money. And then you have now an attorney um, class action lawsuit saying, hey, we're going to sue you because you can't really prove that they got the rid of the information. So it was like a double-edged sword. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, this is what I talk about on, on my YouTube channel all the time is the, the, the insane amount of companies that come out initially on a breach and say, hey, uh, you know, as you can see here, I have highlighted on the screen. However, Blackboard first stressed that, that the impacted data was limited to a small amount of sensitive information. And then they report out that actually social security numbers. And, and then in the next paragraph, they say in the filing, Rady Children's data compromised by the blackballed incident included patient names, addresses, date of birth, names of patient, physicians, and the hospital department visited by the patients. And I also have talked about in the past, when this stuff happens, the amount of information that somebody else on the dark web could attain from this and then use it to extort the patients is another issue that we're seeing. And this is all part of the supply chain issue that we're having highlighted by the SolarWinds hack, where we see all these different companies being hacked simply because the company that wrote the software that they're using was a customer of SolarWinds. So SolarWinds, you know, was the, the doorway into Microsoft and, and then Malwarebytes. And you're seeing similar stuff happening here just in a different way. Blackball gets compromised. Then the hospital records get compromised. And now I have all this information about all these patients about who they, what doctor they visit. I look up a doctor and they're a psychologist. And now I know that this person has a mental health problem. And this person might also be the CEO of a company. And I can use the information within the health file to then target this individual and basically try to extort them of money just based on the fact that I know what their medical history is and they don't want that to become public. Um, and these are the things that the, this kind of stuff creates. Um, <clears throat> and the dark web is crawling for criminals looking for opportunities like this to scam people and extort people. Um, so rightfully so, the, the lawsuit is happening. Um, but this is what companies need to be aware of. Because I think when you're in the midst of a ransomware attack, your only thought is, what do I got to pay these guys to get my data back? 
you're not thinking about when that that data was exfiltrated and stolen and put on the dark web. And then, oh, well, hey, we won't do anything with your data. We'll leave it over here if you just pay us the ransom. We swear. We promise. Come on. You're dealing with criminals. You know, and then you're you're worried about that. And then, you know, as we see here, and what's important to really point out and distill out of this is, you know, months and months later, now these patients are suing this hospital system because data is out on the dark web. So if you own a company right now and you're not doing cybersecurity real good and maybe your cybersecurity plan is subconsciously, I'll just pay the ransom if we ever get hit, it might not be a 20 or 30 or 40 or $50,000 ransom. It might be $100,000 plus. And then you pay that and you think you're okay and you're skating through you know, the next seven, eight, nine months thinking, I'm good. You know, we paid the ransom, life's moved on. Yeah, we have a couple files that are still encrypted, but all in all, everything's good. And then somebody finds out that their data or something on the dark web has caused them a problem. Now they're coming after you. And now the whole situation was made worse because you decided to negotiate with this hacker and pay the ransom and not go through a proper disclosure of, you know, a cybersecurity attack on your, on your, or a, you know, a cyber attack on your company. So we can't illustrate this enough because it happens more than you, you all would think that companies, you know, again, the hot, remember, it's important to remember the hospital didn't get compromised here a vendor of the hospital was compromised. So, you know, it's important to remember as a business owner that your company, in a sense, does not necessarily have to be compromised. Um, one of the things I did this week with a client is put in place a questionnaire that they are going to give out to their vendors. And as we were going through this process with them of building out their cybersecurity framework and their plan, they were very resistant to that, to, you know, us creating a, a, a spreadsheet for them to give to their vendors so they can start to see what their vendor relationship cybersecurity landscape looks like, to see where their vendors are, which vendors they're working with are weak in cybersecurity. Um, and this is more or less because their, their clients are, are making them put cybersecurity things in place. And part of that is making sure that the vendors that they're hiring to do the work for them, that, that, you know, they're doing as part of the work for the, for the big company, um, you know, they want to make sure that those smaller companies that you're outsourcing work to are also protecting, you know, the data. Um, and it's unfortunately causing small and medium sized businesses in the mid market and below to have to spend time and money on this stuff. Um, and a lot of them are really not prepared for that yet. 
You know, they're not budgeting for this stuff yet. So, um, you know, if you're in a business that's a thousand employees or less, um, you really need to think about putting together a cybersecurity plan um, very soon because somebody along the way here in the next maybe three to five years, it might even be shorter, it could be next year, is going to make you start doing this stuff. Um, and the supply chain is a big focus because a lot of the way that businesses operate are through vendors and other partners and that help them get work done. And that's okay. But everybody along that process and who's involved in the delivery of that product or service needs to make sure that they're protecting data uh, and using a standard that, you know, everyone is kind of adhering to. And if, and nobody knows what I'm talking about right now. There are standards out there. There are different um, cybersecurity frameworks or types of frameworks you can follow. Um, we, you know, we typically follow the NIST cybersecurity framework, but that is a standard for businesses to follow when it comes to cybersecurity. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of share that because people are like, what the heck's he talking about a standard? You know, there's no standards around cybersecurity. Yes, there are. Um, the United States government, the National Institute for Science and Technology has put together a cybersecurity framework. It's called the NIST CSF. You can go Google it right now and you can learn what that is and you can start implementing the NIST cybersecurity framework in your business. Um, and if you think it's too much, I caution you and I pretty much guarantee that one day every single business in the United States, United States will be forced to follow if it's not called the NIST cybersecurity framework, it'll be something that looks a hell of a lot like it. Mm -hmm. So anything you want to add to that? I mean, I, I ran it on a little bit there, but that's, I'm pretty passionate about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anything you want to add? Yeah, it was an interesting thing that happened. I got one of the emails that my office didn't even know how to answer was, we, we provided a quote for a third-party cloud co continuity um, software to be put on the client's computer. So basically it's taking the data on the computer and moving it to the cloud, like a backup. So the customer answered, okay, I'm interested, but I need the SOC 2 report of, of the company that you're using. Yeah. So I know he had no idea what that meant, but I'm sure his board, maybe there's an IT guy in there that says, wait, are we putting this in the IT guy's office? Because I've actually seen oh, yeah. IT companies where they're using a, like a, a log me in or some type of Hamachi or whatever, that they're just transferring the data to their physical office and just saying, hey, why pay, you know, a third party company like uh, Cronus or Carbonite or one of those companies to hold your data? Let me make that money. So it was so I was happy to, you know, give them the link of our of our, the company we use. And of course, you know, they, they, they could go at it and reading all that. I mean, back in the day, I'll tell you right now, back in the day, we used to and I'm talking well over 10 years ago. So just, just a frame of reference. We used to, and this, um, this was before any of the technology that exists today exists, but we used to back up all of our clients' servers to a server in our building. And then we would replicate that offsite somewhere else as well. To your garage. Um, what's that? To your garage. 
<laughs> no, it was, it was actually, uh, man, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. We had another server. Uh, it, the, the software that we used um, did it like a compression thing. And it, okay. when, it, when it did the replication, it, 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 it offloaded it and it was a Linux based system. So I think we spun up a Linux based system in the cloud and just had everything go there just for backup. Um, but we did use to backup, but this was before like repl a bit and all that stuff. You know, this was, we were, we were probably one of the first companies doing an offsite backup, you know, for their clients. Um, most people were still doing like, tape backups or had a hard disk drive like sitting you know locally attached to the server um we're talking like 2004 2006 you know what i mean and this was a long time ago that we we were we were offloading data to you know a server in our office but as time went on and you know tools like the tools we have today came out we we obviously took advantage of those when they came out but um you know, today's day and age, your data should definitely not be going to your IT provider's office or server. And if you have some kind of setup where you're not moving this to a certified data center or a specialized backup company, um, you're probably introducing a level of risk in your business that you really don't want because there's a lot of times these things aren't set up and configured properly and there's no redundancy on the backup side. So if your backup server ends up going down, you effectively lose all your backups. So um, it's a good question that they asked you for sure. Um, and you, know, you were able to, to satisfy that and give them a, a, an answer that was acceptable to the people who were looking at it. Um, but you know, you're right. We've seen it in this business where people do things like that. And then it's like, oh my God, I didn't know our IT company was offloading our backups to a server in our office. And, you know, it's not a SOC certified facility or, you know, what have you. So, so that's about it. So moving right along, um, I wanted to talk about, there's a couple of things going on right now. Um, it seems like in the last 24 hours, the uh authorities either u.s the u.s the u.s authorities had a big one if you want to check out or learn more about that uh the netwalker ransomware group has been taken down i did a video on my youtube channel you can find that at the exact it solutions youtube channel i did a video on that we're not going to talk about that here um but at the same time it looks like the european authorities and i think it was the germans took down this emote um, malware strain. Now, why we wanted to talk about this one is because emote is a very slick piece of malware that basically can be run on a system without admin rights. And then that, it's it's essentially what we would consider a, a, right, a payload. Um, so you get the emote, you get somebody to click on a email or a link that you send either through an email or through a social media. Did you ever get a, 
um, if you're listening to this, did you ever get a Facebook message or an Instagram message or a Twitter message from some random account or one of your friends account where it really didn't say anything and it just had a link and the link was like a bunch of letters and numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, That is probably a link that goes to something like emote. And if you click that and then a little box pops up, that says you want to run this and you hit run it gets installed and that's the second box here in this and what I have up on the screen for the installation. So the malware gets installed. And then when we talk about things like APT, which is advanced persistent threat, that's what we're talking about right here to the third box. You're infected. Now your computer is vulnerable. And now whoever got access to your computer can go and turn around and go on the dark web and sell the access he has now gained to other hacking groups like ransomware guys. Um, but this is step one in, in basically getting ransomware. If, if the threat actor can get access to your systems, he can go hire whoever he wants to do whatever damage they want inside of your network. So you can hire ransomware. They can hire people just to get in there and have access all the time and never deploy ransomware, at least not deploy it for many years. Um, It really depends. You know, I guess they go through some kind of evaluation process to figure out, is it worth it for for us to to lay low or is it worth, worth it for us to just hit them with ransomware? Or maybe we just put key loggers on their system and steal passwords and try to get into other accounts. Um, So it's important to understand that this stuff can get on your system very easily, as I pointed out. But it's also important to know that there's a multitude of things that these folks are evaluating once they're in your system to figure out how they're going to use this system to either make money or further an attack. If they can see your machine that they've now infected as a launch pad to carry out something more severe on a bigger target, they're going to do that versus hit your machine with ransomware or a Trojan or a keylogger or something like that. So um, I would have to say uh, this is a big hit uh, along with the NetWalker ransomware, um, but it's uh, it's it's a big one. Um, it's it's a, basically one of the largest, um, and it's been Emote has been associated with Ryuk, and Ryuk is one of the top ransomware strains. Next, you know, NetWalker being probably second or third, I think, um, but. You know, Ryuk and TrickBot are basically the same thing. And now one of these has been taken down, at least for the time being. Their infrastructure has been seized. Um, and they it's going to make them very it's going to make it very difficult for them to operate the way that they've been operating. Uh, but it is interesting that they took down two in the last 24 hours. So I don't know if this is the beginning of a wave of we're we're just done with this kind of activity and you know, our our authorities are really going to crack down and go after these guys um, or this is just a one time thing. And, um, you know, we saw a similar thing with TrickBot and TrickBot's back up and running, you know, from what I hear, full 
you know, they're back up to full operations again, um, even though that they were hampered a little bit back in the uh, November, December timeframe by Microsoft and our federal government. Um, I think it was the military, if I, my memory serves me correct. But here we go uh, again with, an, an. so is this just another one-time thing and we're not going to hear of another uh, event like this for, uh, you know, another three to six months? Or is this the beginning of, of more of these operations being brought to their knees? Um, be interesting to find out um, what's going to happen here over the next few weeks. But I can tell you, I would, I would venture to say, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Andre, but I would venture to say that we're going to see at least a little bit of a downtick in the amount of ransomware attacks over the next one to two, maybe three months because of this um, and, and the NetWalker. So you have, you have the emote going down, you have the NetWalker going down, I, and those are two pretty big operations in terms of you know, the successful ones that actually deploy, you know, ransomware and attacks. Now that they've been hampered, it, logic would tell you that attacks should go down. But we know that there's other groups out there. They may, you know, they could counter response and they can just, you know, they can go even harder knowing that maybe they have a target on their back and their time frame for making money is shorter. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens over the next one to, to three months here to see if, you know, ransomware attacks go down or if they continue at the same pace or maybe they even go up. So um, what, do you, what do you have to add to this, uh, to this stuff that, that's going on with uh, the, the feds and taking down these operations and what impact that has? Yeah, I, I'd say definitely it's going to go down for the next two or three months, but then it's only going to go back up because there's a new strain. And if you look at the, they're saying this surfaced back in 2014. So we're talking seven years for them to to get to this point. So um, I guess we'll wait and see, but I have a feeling that new strain will probably be bigger and better. Yeah, it's important to note that they didn't take down the organizations and, and really yeah. no arrests were made. So the, op the operators behind this stuff, really just have to move to different infrastructure and set up shop somewhere else. Um, and, you know, we've covered things like the parlor stuff. So we know that there's hosting companies out there that will cater to, you know, nefarious groups or people that, you know, you know, obviously we, we talked about it with the parlor and how parlor was being hosted on the same servers as Hamas and ISIS um, the same thing can happen here. They can just move to a server where it's going to be very difficult for any law enforcement to get to them. It's going to be very difficult for any law enforcement to seize control of it. Um, so we'll see and we'll keep everyone updated. Um, but it's important to know that, uh, you know, our, our government and our Justice Department and Federal Bureau of Investigations is working with other uh, foreign authorities to try to bring these, you know, menaces to business down. Um, one of the big concerns that I have and that everyone should have is the cost of defending this stuff and that cost driving up prices uh, and contributing to things like inflation. Um, so this all has an impact on our economies as, as a, at, at a high level. So on the macro level, 
Um, so we, you know, it is a concern that I have that, you know, companies are going to have to charge more or shift a lot of their budget to this area. And, and, you know, I would venture to say that a lot of them are not prepared to do that and their businesses are going to suffer as a result when they do have to make these decisions. So the more and more we can knock out these, these criminals and, and, and make sure that they can't do things as effective as they were able to do them, at least in 2020, uh, is a positive, um, you know, but that still doesn't, you know, don't put your guard down. It's still a problem. We still have to worry about this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, keep your guard up and make sure you're doing everything you possibly can to protect the data that your clients entrust you with. So, so I'm going to wrap up the show, my friend. Do you have any parting words for our guests before we leave? No, no, we're good. I'm good. All right, cool. So uh, remember, everyone, if you made it this far, you've made it to the end of our podcast. And we just asked that you uh, share out our podcast to your social media, whether that's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you're at. Uh, just hit that little share button wherever you download our podcast. And remember, we also have our Facebook page and our YouTube channel where you can see live video of this recording. Uh, and that's it for us. We will talk to you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. And make sure you keep cybersecurity at the top of your mind.